0: My guest for this episode is Irene Au. Irene is a design partner with Coastal Ventures. We're going to hear about how she got her start at Netscape and then made the decision to move into management, eventually becoming the VP of User Experience at Yahoo and the Global Head of User Experience at Google. She shares some of her advice for folks that are just starting out in their career and making that really interesting decision of do I move into management and leadership or do I stay on the individual contributor path? Irene also shares some advice towards the end of this episode that I think everyone will find useful. This is Invincible Career and I'm Larry Cornett. Welcome to the show, Irene. It's been a long time since we've seen each other.
1: Thanks for having me. Good to see you.
0: Um, so I want to start with sharing with the audience who you are, and for those that don't know you, and what you're doing right now.
1: Uh, so my title right now is Design Partner. I work at Coastal Ventures, which is a venture capital firm here in Silicon Valley. And my role is to work with the entrepreneurs and CEOs in our portfolio to help them be successful. Uh, we have various operating partners inside the firm. So you can think of um, venture capital firms as having investing partners and operating partners. And the operating partners are the ones who get involved with the startups once we decide to invest in them. And we have various operating partners with um, a wide range of functional expertise, deep expertise in particular fields that um, are part of a company's journey from like AI to PR and communications, marketing, et cetera. And so my background's in user experience and design. And so I, I work with our portfolio companies on all matters related to design.
0: Fantastic. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of look back across your career history and talk about your career path, maybe even going back to your degree in, in HCI, which is, it's cool. That's what I studied too. Um, and call out just key events that kind of paved your way to, let's start with your experience as a UX leader, because you've been a UX leader at some of the most notable companies in the Valley. So let's go ahead and talk about your background and, and the path that got you to where you are.
1: Sure, yeah. I studied electrical and computer engineering as an undergraduate and had originally intended to get a PhD in the field focusing on chip design uh, in graduate school and then realized that a lot of my peers were building technology for the sake of technology and no one was thinking about how to direct technology towards people's needs and interests and um, In my quest for finding something that um, really resonated with what my heart wanted to do, I discovered this whole field of uh, human computer interaction and human factors and engineering psychology. Um, So that's what I studied in graduate school. And coming out of graduate school, I joined Netscape Communications um, as an interaction designer. So maybe some of your listeners are too young to even know what Netscape was, but that was the uh, world's first commercial internet web browser. And right. so we were really the first company on the planet to uh, f- think about how to deliver internet content to people in a, in a user-friendly, graphical way. Um, and almost as soon as I joined Netscape, so I, I worked on Netscape's um, client uh, products, so like the web browser, mail and news um, a product, the calendar product page editor, or things like that, and almost as soon as I joined the company, that was around the time when Microsoft started integrating Internet Explorer into its operating system. Uh, So a couple of years later when Netscape decided to open source its browser code, I decided to join Yahoo amongst many places that I had considered joining. But I loved the energy and the sense of um, mission and purpose that people had at Yahoo and also the irreverence and the fun and the joy that they had in doing what they were doing. So I joined Yahoo as their first um, uh, interaction designer. Um, they were just moving from a place where they started out with a directory of web pages, websites, and they were starting to offer web-based services and products like Yahoo Mail and My Yahoo. and they wanted somebody with my background to figure out how to um, develop products that were easy to use and useful in a systematic way within the company. Uh, and so I was at Yahoo for eight years and uh, whereas I started as their first interaction designer, I ended up um, becoming the VP of user experience um, and um, and was responsible for UX. Back then we didn't even call it UX, but I was responsible for user experience for all of Yahoo's products. And then in 2006, Google came knocking on my door and they were looking for a design leader. And um, so I... I took that on and was responsible for UX for Google for six years and um, helped kind of transform Google's relationship with design while I was there. Um, And then uh, after that, I did a double stint where I was an um, executive in residence at a venture capital firm called Trinity. Um, And at the same time, I was consulting and advising for a startup called Udacity. Uh, which was the world's first MOOC, M-O-O-C, so Massive Online Open Courseware Company. And eventually I joined them full-time because I was having so much fun with them and was a VP of Product and Design there. And then uh, later joined um, COSLA Ventures as the uh, design partner um, after that. So that was kind of my journey and... Um, you know, even though it wasn't necessarily deliberate, each step along the way, each um, uh, path that I took, uh, paved the way for the next step. So it just kind of serendipitously happened that way.
0: Right, right. So, I mean, you've had an incredibly successful career. Not everybody rises to become a VP of user experience at big companies like that. What do you think, helped you transition. Well, I guess moving into management was a decision point as well, deciding, "Hey, I don't want to be an individual contributor. I want to move into management and leadership." But what do you think made you so successful and able to to see those opportunities and be the person for the role because yeah, it's it's very impressive.
1: Um I mean, I think there's a a combination of factors. I mean, one is that I always followed my heart and um chose the path that I thought would um, challenge me to grow in ways that I wanted to grow, like how, you know, what am I curious about and what are the places that are going to feed that curiosity? Um, where am I going to be really excited to go to work every day and see these people and work on really hard problems with them? Um, so as an example, like, well, I'll just draw upon, um, Uh, several decisions that I made along the journey just to kind of illustrate my points here. Um, When I was leaving graduate school, I was trying to choose between Netscape and another company called Belcor, which was in um, New Jersey. Belcor doesn't even exist anymore, but they had a well-established human factors um, uh, group, and I would have gotten a lot of mentorship there. Um, And would have learned a lot. And they were also advertising that there was like a a lower cost of living and I could buy a bigger house in New Jersey. Um, But I really wanted to be at the heart of Silicon Valley and the heart of where the Internet was happening and and being made. So I just knew that that was where my interest uh, was. Um, I couldn't believe that I got paid to do that job, and similarly, when I went to Yahoo, I couldn't believe that I got paid to do that. I mean, I would have—I I worked long hours because I loved it, not because I was doing it for the money. Um, and I chose Yahoo, um, co- you know, uh, on, above the other choices I was considering because the people there um, just had really great energy, and I'm not talking about energy in the sense that they. Um, could stay up all night or do a lot of things. It was more just a a feeling of joy and passion, and they were having fun. And I wanted to be with people who were very positive in that way, because I knew good things would come out of it. And uh, the choice that I made to go to Google was um, a little bit more complicated. I mean, that was one where uh, it was a famously challenging role to take on. In fact, I remember a lot of my colleagues and peers had looked at that role and Either did not get offered the job, or or just shied away from it because sure. Google was um, uh, notorious for being a very engineering-driven culture, and some might say hostile to design at that time. Um, but I feel like you know we just des- we define ourselves by the challenges we take on, and I felt like even though the role at Google would be very similar to what I did at Yahoo, that it would be under very different and extraordinary contexts and circumstances, and that I would. I would be challenged to learn and grow in ways that I hadn't before, and that definitely proved to be the case. Um, By the time it was time for me to leave Google, I had a hypothesis about um, the possible role and value that I could play in venture capital because I was getting a lot of inbound inquiries from executives I had worked with and entrepreneurs that were completely strangers who reached out asking for advice. Um, And so I thought, you know, um, this is really fun and interesting to to advise all these companies, but um, the sum of all these coffee dates, uh, my time is worth more than that. And so maybe I should turn this into a job. So I went around um, Sand Hill Road pitching my idea to a lot of different venture capital firms and at the same time, just coincidentally a headhunter contacted me about the opportunity at Coastal Ventures, and it turned out to be a great match. Like my vision for what I wanted to do and how I wanted to contribute exactly aligned with what Vinod was looking for, um, and so that uh, that was a, a kind of a really nice match. Oh, um, and my my tr- my my two year stint at Udacity and then also concurrently at Trinity um, was also just sort of a it wasn't very deliberate, but it was um, just sort of a learning. Opportunity and like a follow your passion kind of thing Um, at Trinity. My intention um, With being an EIR there was not necessarily to move into venture capital at the time But just to see how the world of venture capital worked and to see is there a need here? Like I had this hypothesis. I thought there was a role that I could play, but I just wanted to test that out and so um, That was a chance for me to try before I commit because when you go into venture capital It is like a marriage like you're committing to that firm for a long time and with Udacity, um, that was like just totally serendipitous. I ran into Sebastian, who was the founder um, um, uh, at breakfast, and uh, it was my last day at Google, and I, I told him it's my last day at Google. he said, "Come, come help me with Udacity." And um, <laughs> I was just so I, I, I love Sebastian. I was so intrigued by um, what he was doing and loved the the mission and the opportunity to work in education. Um. Also, the office was two blocks from my house and two blocks from the yoga studio where I was teaching, so it was just like very convenient. Wow. And then it That's just a became very easy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a big fan of designing your life. You know, you there choose you paths that yes. like feed your curiosity, feed your soul, feed your happiness, and also fit into your life in the way that you want it to. So those have been like guiding guiding points of. Uh, inspiration for me, my career. No,
0: I like to, I love that designing your life. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people design your career, especially if you're a designer, it's like you design systems all day long. Your career is a really complex system. You can design it. Right. Yeah. I would say like Um, for
1: me, it was not as top down, uh, it was very bottom up, you know, uh, putting one foot in front of the other.
0: Nice, nice. I also noticed because, you know, we've been connected for a long time that you took a break and you were focusing on yoga for a while, which I think is amazing that I found that in tech, it's easy for us to kind of neglect ourselves a little bit because we're working so much and neglect our health. And it looked like you were taking some time to kind of reconnect and, and think about what you want to do next and taking the time to invest in yourself a little bit.
1: So um, my foray into yoga happened concurrent to all of this. Um, I, I didn't actually take any break. <laughs> I went through yoga teacher training uh, wow. while I was at Google. Um, of course. <laughs> and I just had a very, I had a very supportive, very supportive husband who took care of the kids on the weekends um, for several months while I went through this training. I had no intention of teaching yoga when I went through the teacher training. It was purely just to feed the curiosity. And um, and and when I came out of it, I was so transformed that I felt compelled to teach, um, just to pay it forward and to push myself to continue to learn because we teach what we need to learn, um, and to hold myself accountable to continuing to do that. Um, so yeah, that, that, and, and it definitely informs every aspect of life. Um, so it's, it's not an either or it's, it's an and.
0: I like that. Nice. So if you look back at your entire path and it seems like it, it kind of went, the way you wanted it to, but is there any moment or anything that you think, you know, I wish I'd done that differently, or I wish I'd taken this path instead of that path.
1: I have no regrets about that. That's Um, good. That's good. Yeah. I, 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 I think like in every moment that we take, we just do the best we can with what we have. Uh, it, there may be mistakes that are made along the way, but I also think that, uh, compassion and forgiveness are also really key um and to not beat yourself up over mistakes that might have been made along the way but to learn from those and to understand yourself well enough so that um you don't fall into the same patterns over and over again um right, right. so yeah i have no regrets
0: good that's even better <laughs> <laughs> so for the young listeners especially the folks in UX what advice would you give them The folks that are kind of early in their careers?
1: Stay curious um, and find opportunities to feed your curiosity so that you're always learning. Um, And then I think it's really helpful to um, build and nurture relationships with other people. Like I would say, one of the um, key factors that was a part of my success um, was my ability to work with a wide range of people. I think my background in engineering really helped me work with very difficult engineers um, and that's one attribute that set me apart from my peers, at least at Netscape um, early on in the career, and that that in turn led me to opportunities that I might not have otherwise had. Um, and so it was a launching point. Um, but I would say like throughout my journey, there have always been um, you know people very different from me that I've had to work with and negotiate with and to win over. like um, the landscape's really different now, but I would say that over the last 20, twenty five years, like designers were not often in a position of authority where um, you know whatever we said should be done was automatically yep. done. So it just means that you have to have enormously high Emotional intelligence and powers of uh, persuasion, and more importantly, listening and understanding. Um, and so, I think like my ability to listen and understand and see the other side, and then to bring people on board with what I thought was right, uh, was was crucial. Um, so, I would say that's that's another thing. So, stay curious and also listen.
0: I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I want to talk a little bit about the decision point when you moved into management and leadership? Cause so I was recently talking with a bunch of folks who are, they're kind of at that crossroads, they're individual contributors and they're trying to decide, do I continue to go up this path of craft, which goes into like the principal track and so forth, or do I move into management and what are the pros and cons of those? And and how did you decide? What made you think, you know what? I do want to take the management path.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I always had a really clear vision for the kind of organization I wanted to build at Yahoo. Um, and I felt like I was the best person to do that. Um, and so I, it, was, it was just baby steps, you know. Um, I started off by um, proving that this whole area of design and user research was valuable and important so that the company would invest more in it. And then as the company chose to invest more in it, they they trusted me um, because I was proving that it was worthwhile. They trusted me to build out that team. And so it was just one hire at a time. But I had a very clear idea for what I wanted to do. I mean, in fact, that w- in a sense, that was designing. You know, I was designing the organization and um, the future for how design would fit into Yahoo. Um, so... Um, I don't think that management is the best path for everyone. Uh, You have to deal with a lot of stuff that is pretty yucky. And um, for me, like my approach has really been one of servant leadership, where I see myself as an enabler and somebody who's building a team that can achieve something that's greater than the um, individuals themselves, Um, and that uh, you're bringing... I was bringing in a lot of different perspectives and disciplines um, to create something. Um, but in order to do that, I also had to pave the way for people to do great work. And that means I had to get the yucky stuff out of the way. So that's not for everyone. So I think it's really important to understand your motivation. Um, why do you want to do this? And what are you going to get out of it? Because actually in a lot of companies... Uh, going up the ranks of management does not necessarily lead to more power or more pay. That certainly wasn't the case at Google. Um, There's no thanks in becoming a manager at Google at the time that I was there. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like for me, it was like, I want, I had a vision for the organization I wanted to build and I wanted to serve that team and make a great team that could do great work. And so I felt like I was the best person for that job. Um, and that, that's my story. I think other managers or leaders have different motivations. Um, but I think it's important to know thyself and, and to be genuine and authentic about it and, and hopefully virtuous as well. Um, you know, because I think these days, especially with organizations, people choose who they want to follow. Like just because you have a title doesn't mean that, um, people are naturally going to follow you. So.
0: Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I tell people, choose your next boss. You can. Yeah. Choose the right person you want to work for and learn from makes a huge difference. One of the things that I've noticed has changed, I would say, in the last ooh, 10 to 15 years. Is that it seems like startups have an awareness that they need UX earlier than they did, certainly when I was a young designer. Mm -hmm. Um, I was interested in startups way back when, but it's like, they're like, "Eh, if you're not an engineer, we're not that interested in you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I've certainly noticed a change. And I don't know if you're experiencing this with your portfolio and the founders that you work with. Are they bringing UX on earlier into the organization than they did in the past.
1: Absolutely. And it's a big reason why I have a job because I think entrepreneurs understand that design is as as critical to their success as technology and business and sales, you know. So uh, people really do see it as, you know, one of the legs in a three-legged stool. Um, There may still be some naivety around like how to do it or what's the right talent to get um, because, you know, like you need a lot of different kinds of skills that are embodied under the rubric UX Um, but yeah, and I think there are a lot of different factors that are driving that. So one is that, um, like we're at a point now where technology is good enough, um, and you've got so many off the shelf components that it doesn't take a lot of capital for people to create a tech startup. Um, and so you get a lot of competition out there and therefore design can be a differentiator. Uh, so that's one factor that's driving it. I think also people just have elevated expectations for what a good user experience should be because we have... A generation of people now who've just grown up with the internet and consumer experiences so um, you know they don't want to use products that like were historically designed as enterprise software Um, and even in terms of enterprise software like we see this whole wave of consumerization of IT like um, people are demanding to have like the tools that they use at work to be at least as good as the tools that they use in their personal lives um, so, all of that is driving um, a rise in interest in design, even in uh, unexpected companies like historically enterprise companies have underinvested in design, and that's actually not the case anymore. Um, in fact, I think a lot of enterprise companies see that um, when it comes to having productive, efficient end users of their software, it's not so much the technology or the software that is the limiting factor, but it's actually the quality of the user experience that makes or breaks whether people can be productive and happy. Um, And so um, for several portfolio companies I work with, that's a big driving factor for why they prioritize design.
0: That's fantastic. No, it's very promising. Um, It it gives people more options. And I think everybody should have a startup experience at some point in their career. I think they learn a lot. I mean, I certainly did. Um, And I'm glad that it's open to more people now. Um, So one of the things that I've been trying to understand is What does the future hold for us given the current situation? So we've been impacted by the pandemic. It's certainly impacted how teams are functioning. It's impacted how teams are organized, co-located, more people are working from home. What guidance are you giving your founders in terms of where they're finding talent, working with talent, collaborating, working as teams now?
1: Well, it's really interesting because uh, companies that I've worked with who were historically Reluctant to hire um, people who worked remotely um, are now very open to the idea. And um, so there's just a lot more access to talent now. Um, And this goes for uh, companies that are based in historically um, expensive areas where there's like a shortage of talent um, and they're trying to hire people like who, you know, want to live somewhere else and. Now they have access to those people. Um, There's also there are also like startups that are in um, cities that are not necessarily hotbeds for talent, and now they have access to top talent because now they're open to working remotely. Um, So there there are a lot more opportunities now. I think on both sides. So that's really interesting. Um, uh, Early on in the pandemic and the lockdown, I had seen like for some. Consulting agencies and freelancers, like they were starting to lower their rates maybe because um, they were worried about um, companies tightening their belts and there was like a shortage of work. But um, actually, I, I'm not necessarily seeing that now. And at least for our portfolio companies, they're, most of them are not really that affected by the pandemic because they're in businesses that, um, if anything, might benefit from more people being online and working remotely um, I would say for for UX people, um, you know, like I mentioned, the ability to work with a wide range of people and forging relationships and nurturing those is super important. And I think that's something that people need to do more consciously uh, now um because you can't just like swing by and run into somebody at the cafeteria or the water cooler or whatever. Um, so it takes an extra effort to stay in touch with people and to build new relationships. Um, and then, like to the extent that designers and user researchers are facilitators of collaboration across functional teams, uh, I think this is an interesting area that needs perhaps more exploration and maybe more pedagogy around it. Is like, okay, we did a lot of work to figure out what's the playbook for running an effective brainstorm or running an effective design sprint, but all that done, all that was done in person. And so now it's like, how do we do that online effectively? Like what does a five day design sprint look like when it's done remotely and people can't all stand up and look at the whiteboard and put, um, sticky dots on the best ideas. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are some of the the new areas of opportunity that need to yeah, be. Explored. I think it's
0: exciting. I, I'm excited because I remember way back in 93 when I was at IBM we thought that remote collaboration and all of this was just around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there was so much excitement and energy in the Valley around it. And I think it's taken us this long to like finally embrace it, let go of the physical workplace and say, okay, we have no choice. So we have to make these tools work. And I'm hoping we're going to see an increased investment in these collaboration tools and the digital whiteboards, improving video chat communication the, the sense of telepresence, all this mm-hmm. stuff that we had thought was right around the corner, I think we're now going to start to see in the next two to three years, which, you know, it makes me excited because I work remotely too. So it's, <laughs> it's fun, fun to see. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you for making the time to come on the show. I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: I want to call out a few points from my conversation with Irene that will help you as you create your own invincible career. First, you may have noticed her theme of curiosity and deliberately seeking challenges. She pursued companies and experiences where she could learn something new, be challenged, and grow. A career is more fulfilling when you're excited to go to work every day, see your coworkers, and solve hard problems with them. Next, nurturing relationships is so important. Intelligent networking matters, and now we have to be more intentional about that than ever before. The longer I live, the more I realize how tightly your success is tied to your relationships. She mentioned her serendipitous encounter with the CEO of Udacity when she bumped into him at lunch one day, and how that conversation led to her joining the company as their VP of design. Finally, she defined her most recent role and proactively pitched firms she thought would need it. That's how she ended up at Coastal Ventures. All too often, we accept what exists and we settle for what is offered. One of the most invincible careers that you can have is the one that you define and control. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you would like to follow upcoming releases of the show, please subscribe. And as always, I appreciate your ratings and reviews. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Invincible Career and the podcast, you can visit InvincibleCareer.com. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life.